I'm glad that this morning we get to wrap up our Kingdom Fit sermon series. What a journey it's been as we have looked at how can we live abundantly in the kingdom of God and how can we grow in obedience to all that Jesus has commanded. Um, in our Thrive class, we have been looking at First Peter, and the passage that was read this morning, I think, does a fantastic job of summarizing what this Kingdom Fit sermon series has been all about. And so I would like to read it to you. Check this passage out. First Peter, it's chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who once, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation." All God's people said, amen. So what's awesome about this chapter is it's talking about putting off the old and putting on the new. And it's really focused on, look, we have a new identity. For those of us who have placed our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have a new identity. We are God's chosen people. We are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. And because we have received such mercy, our response is one of gratitude. Our response is one of, I want to live in such a way that I please this God who has shown me so much mercy. And so that I, and I want to live in such a way that the way I live speaks loudly and clearly to God's greatness and his great love for other people. And that's what we're talking about here with our Kingdom Fit Sermon Series. We're talking about how you actually do this. How do you actually put off the old and put on the new? 
what are the steps that we need to take? This morning, as we recap this sermon series, I'm going to do my best to pull it all together for you. And one of the things that we worked hard this week to create was an individualized discipleship plan, planning guide. And so what this document will do is it will take you through every step of the process. It will guide you through creating your own plan to put off the old and to put on the new, to grow in godliness, right? So that you more fully live as God's chosen people, right? And uh, I hope it's helpful for you. There's a lot of questions that will help you discern how God wants to work on you in this season of your life. Praise God that he wants us to change. He gives us the power to change, and we can change. I think that is so exciting um, because as we change and as we grow, we experience more fully the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So let me pray. I'll recap this for you. And then uh, Brandon's going to come to the stage because he was a brave, a very brave soul that was willing to create, to go through this process. And I'm going, we're going to see what he came up with, what God led him to. And my hope is that as you listen to Brandon's process of going through developing his own discipleship plan, that it would encourage you and give you ideas to do this for yourself. Hey, the, the scriptures say the train in godliness. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and on the podcast they said, we can't tweak ourselves into godliness. We've got to train, right? We can't just make minor adjustments and expect to grow in godliness. It really, it really has to be something that we're going after. Um, I was watching Rudy, the movie, this morning. So as I was going through my sermon... The boys were watching Rudy, right? And I'm just like, man, if we had Rudy's heart when it came to the spiritual life with Jesus, if we were all in like Rudy was all in to play football at Notre Dame, how would our lives change? How would our lives declare God's excellencies uh, to a watching world, a lost watching world that is hurting? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you desire to transform us from the inside out. And thank you that it's possible because of your grace and because of the mercy that you have extended to us. Lord, I pray that as we recap this process of how we can grow in godliness, that these people would take what they have learned and they would Put it into practice, that they would train with you, Jesus, that they would intentionally be with you to learn from you how to live like you. And we pray that as a result, they would be transformed and their lives would more brightly declare your greatness to those around them for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if we are going to, and I love there's a verse in there in in 1 Peter. It talks about 
growing in the salvation you have received. Something to that effect. Like growing in what we've already obtained as a free gift. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. Remember, we don't work for mercy. We work from mercy. And that's so important. So here are the steps that we have talked about that our training plan with Jesus needs to include. We've talked about vision. We've talked about commitment, assessment, a plan, and then evaluation. And uh, in terms of the vision, uh, we have explained to you that really the Sermon on the Mount is such a clear vision of what abundant life in the kingdom of God is, what it's meant to be, what it looks like in daily living. And then, of course, Jesus, his life perfectly exemplified what it means to live fully alive to the Father in the midst of this world. And I just want to remind you of how Jesus described the kingdom fit person. Check this out. This is me putting his teaching of what a kingdom fit person looks like, summarizing it and trying to do it in a succinct way. But it's, it is difficult, but hopefully this is helpful. So I really, when I thought about his teaching, there are three major aspects to the kingdom fit person. The kingdom fit person is confident and reliant on God as their father. So I'm just going to read to you what I summarized here. The kingdom fit person knows and experiences God as their good loving father. They enjoy engaging personally with God through prayer and other devotional practices. They trust that God is extremely attentive to their needs, and he will ensure that they are met, and therefore they rely on his provision. They also believe that God loves to give his children good gifts, and so they feel free to express their desires to the Lord, knowing that he will either fulfill their desire or give them something better. As a result of their confidence in and reliance on their heavenly father, the kingdom fit person lives a joyful, non-anxious life. When difficulty comes and they are tempted towards fear and worry, they are quick to recognize the temptation and redirect their heart to their heavenly father's goodness in his eagerness and power to provide, and they look forward to him coming through again. God is the kingdom fits person's supreme treasure, and so they are committed to seeking God's kingdom first in every facet of their life so that their lifestyle allows others to see God's greatness. They have worked out what it means to seek God's kingdom first in their finances, in their marriage, in their friendships, in their parenting, in their career, in their health, in their hobbies. Consequently, none of these aspects of their life have become an idol for them. This is the first aspect of the kingdom fit person. They're confident and reliant on God as their father. Second aspect here, the kingdom fit person is secure in their identity as a child of the king. As a result, let me just summarize this for you. They understand, the kingdom fit person understands that God's acceptance of them is not based on their performance record, but on Christ's perfect performance in their place. Consequently, they know that there is nothing they can do 
that will cause God to love them any more or any less. The kingdom fit person understands that they are uniquely made in God's very own image with a certain set of strengths and gifts given to them by God to serve him and to serve others. This understanding of both their brokenness and their value in God's eyes makes the kingdom fit person extremely humble. They don't have an overinflated view of themselves, nor do they have an underinflated view of themselves, but an accurate view. They are fully aware of their shortcomings and flaws as well as their gifts and strengths. They know what they are and they know what they're not. And they are content with who God has made them to be. Their, their, their secure identity as a redeemed child of the king enables them to focus on obeying God without worrying about what others think about them. Man, I want to be this person. Next one, the kingdom fit person. So we got the, the, the first one, the kingdom fit person is extremely, wait, no, no. The kingdom fit person is confident, relying on God as their father. Second one, the kingdom fit person is curing their identity as a child of the king. Third aspect of the kingdom fit person is the kingdom fit person is extremely loving and caring in their relationships. Let me read what I summarized here. Due to the fact that the kingdom fit person has a secure attachment to God as father and is secure in their identity as his beloved child, they love others extremely well. Their humility allows them to see that other people are just as valuable as them, made in God's image, that Christ died for too. As a result, they highly esteem other people by keeping their commitments, refraining from prideful judgmentalism that writes people off and, and looks down your nose at them. And they refrain from sexual lust that treats people as objects to be used for one's own selfish pleasure. The kingdom fit person is extremely honest and trustworthy, and they don't use words to manip manipulate others to get what they want. They desire to do right and do right, even when it's going to cost them. The kingdom fit person is patient, merciful, and kind with the failings of others, just as Christ has been to them. They forgive much because they've been forgiven much. They do good even for their enemies because when they were Christ's enemy, Christ did good for them. The kingdom fit person is very slow to become angry, and when they do, it is most often regarding someone else being mistreated and not about their desires or preferences being unmet. When there is conflict in one of their relationships, the kingdom fit person is not a coward that avoids it, nor are they an attack dog seeking revenge, but rather a courageous pursuer of reconciliation and peace, bearing in mind that Christ pursued reconciliation and peace with them. All of the kingdom fits person's words and actions are soaked with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The kingdom fits person's confidence and reliance on God as their father, their secure identity as his child, and their ability to love people in such a profound way leads to a deep enjoyment of God and people. Does anybody want this life? 
This is the abundant life. This is the good life. This is living in the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of the world. And the good news is, you know, some people, you know how you're under law or under grace? I'll tell you. You'll, if you're under law, you're going to look at this list and you're, gonna, you're sitting there saying to yourself, I can never measure up. I can never be this person. It's impossible. I'm so horrible. If you're under grace, you look at that and you get super excited. This is possible? This is what Jesus came to give us? This can become a reality for me? That's when you know you're under grace, Right? Second step, so that's the vision. That's what we're after. That's the target in our training. You need commitment if you're going to become this sort of kingdom fit person. To accept Jesus' offer of abundant life in the kingdom of God, you've got to (laughs) be committed to him. Um, You know, Jesus said in order to accept this amazing invitation of a lifetime to be with him and to grow in obedience to his commands so you're more fully living out of the kingdom. He said in order to accept this invitation, you've got to repent and believe. You've got to repent. You have to make a decision to forsake a life of disobedience to Jesus apart from him. And you've got to believe, meaning you've got to turn to Jesus for forgiveness, and you got to turn to Jesus for training and transformation into um, a kingdom-fit person. If, if you haven't committed to him in this way, you're never going to be able to, to train with him. And, and I just wrote out a prayer uh, that a person could pray if they wanted to commit their life to being with Jesus, learn from him how to live like him. And let me just read this prayer to you. And I I ask you to consider whether you have prayed something like this to Jesus from your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me deeply. Thank you that you want what is best for me. I understand that I have tried to find satisfaction, significance, and security apart from you in a whole slew of created things. I understand that I haven't obeyed all of your good commands, but rather have sinned against you in many ways. I understand that my sin separates me from you and that if I were to remain in this state, I would be destined to experience eternal separation from you in a place that the Bible calls hell. I thank you so much that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, on my my behalf to live the perfect life I couldn't and to die the death I deserve. I trust that his righteousness has been credited to my account and my sin has been credited to his account, and that his sacrifice paid my sin debt in full. I trust that because of Christ's work on my behalf, you forgive and accept me. I am now your child, and I am a part of your royal family. I ask you to give me a new heart and to cause your spirit to dwell in me. I am willing for you to take over my life and trust that you will lead me on the best path. My life I now live, I live for you, Jesus. I commit to being your disciple and growing in obedience to all that you have commanded through the power you supply me. I trust that nothing can separate me from your love and that I will live and reign with you forever. I pray these things sincerely from my heart 
In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, amen. Have you done that? Have you, from your heart, expressed something like this to Christ? This is the moment when you go from walking in the kingdom of darkness to being welcomed into the kingdom of light. If you haven't made this commitment, here's what I suggest you doing. And this is all in the guide. Think about what's keeping you from making that commitment. Tim Keller, he was, he's a former pastor. He encourages people to m- make a list of headings that are keeping them from commitment to Jesus. And he offers these possible headings. Is it a content issue? So do you, is it something about not understanding the basics of the Christian mes- message, about sin, about Jesus as God, about sacrifice and faith? And so you just need to be educated more on the content of the Christian faith. Is it a content issue? Is it a coherence issue? Are there intellectual problems you have with Christianity? Are there objections to the Christian faith that you cannot resolve in your own mind? And that's what's keeping you from making a commitment to Christ as your Lord. And then is it a cost issue? Do you perceive that a, a move into full Christian faith will cost you dearly? And so you're just really afraid to make the commitment. So I encourage you to write on paper what is keeping you from making a commitment to Christ as Lord and Savior. And then I encourage you to investigate those issues. There's too much at stake here to just put that on the back burner and just never get around to it. Vision, commitment, now assessment, right? You got to assess your starting point. Once you've committed your life to Christ, you got to seek God and see where he wants to first grow you into his likeness. I, I said as we were going through this sermon series that one surefire way for many of us to know that area is to simply ask our spouse, right? And what will probably happen is you'll probably discover that there's a lot of ways in which you could grow into <laughs> to becoming more kingdom fit. But I really encourage you to just take one of those things to focus on. And I've got a whole list of questions that can help you discern this. I also encourage you to do this with a person that loves you and loves Jesus. And then you need to develop a training plan. Remember the two primary objectives that our training plan really needs to address is growing in our knowledge and experience of God as our extremely loving creator, savior, and father. This, is, this objective is all about identity. It's all about knowing who you are in relation to whom you belong. And as we grow more securely in our attachment to God, then uh, objective two becomes easier. And objective number two is this. Removing your sinful automatic responses of thinking, feeling, and behaving through engagement with God, truth, knowledge, community, and experience. That's the same way you grow in objective one as well. You engage with God. You engage with truth. 
you engage with community, and you engage with experience. Again, the guide we created for you will take you through these two objectives and help you devise uh, a training plan. And then you got to evaluate the process, right, and the progress. Are you making progress? We're not after perfection here. We're after progress. And so you got to evaluate, you know, if I've been at this plan for a, a substantial enough amount of time, is there progress? Am I growing in kingdom fitness? And if it's uh, not happening, then we got to tweak. We got we to gotta adjust. We got to start. We got to stop something to make our plan work. And you know what else you might find in this step is, is that the thing you thought was really the issue that you devised the plan for was really just a symptom of a deeper issue. And so in that case, often our plan needs to be scratched and a new one needs to be developed. And then you repeat the process. You go back to the vision, where does God want to grow me next? And each time you go around this process, hopefully each time you're a little bit more like Jesus and you're experiencing a little bit more of that abundant life he came to give. And your life is more salty and sweet and full of light to the people around you. That's the goal. So, to make this as practical as possible, Brandon, why don't you come to the stage? Let's have a conversation. Let's give him a welcome. You want to stand? You want to sit? You want to sit here? Let's get comfortable. Brandon was, uh, hopefully you don't need this, Caleb. <laughs> You're going to have to improvise. Um, so you were brave enough to actually go through the planning guide that we created. Um, Haley designed it, did a, a fantastic job. And so what was the process like for you. And he had the opportunity of being in Hocking Hills to do this at a cabin, so that always, that always helps. Yeah. Um, I would say it was exciting and fun. Um, I was already kind of doing part of it without knowing I was doing it, just sure. because it was, there was a, a need that came up in my life to do it. Um, so, yeah, I would say I was excited to have something that actually made concrete, logical sense around what I was abstractly doing in my mind that I couldn't really measure or have any accountability to as much because it's just it's just there. Yes. So, yeah, so it was cool, it was exciting and life-giving to me. Absolutely. When you think of the vision of life in the kingdom of God, abundant life there, uh, what, what really um, captures you and resonates with you about that vision? Freedom. Uh, I believe that we so often and I so often uh, view freedom as something that will only come on the other side of eternity, uh, but it's very clear that Jesus wants freedom for us now um, in our lives. Freedom from really big uh, bondages and freedom from small ones. I really mm -hmm. truly believe that um, he desires that for us. So that's what really appeals to me. And I hate living in bondage. I hate living in shackles and chains. And so um, freedom. Yeah. Just sucks the life right out from yeah. you. Isn't it? Um, so as you got alone with God and as you were prayerfully considering before him, Lord, where do you want to grow me? What's, and, and I, did you come up with a lot of things and then have to like 
you know, p- pick one, or how did that go for you? Or was it the opposite, where you struggled to find an area? There was no struggle okay. <laughs> to find areas, um, and I didn't even ask my wife either. That I mean, that would have gotten me about five more probably, but yeah. um, it was not a struggle. I could very easily identify with areas where God wanted to grow me, um, not because uh, um, I'm good at identifying them, but because they're so blatantly obvious, um, mm. and I so desperately need growth in those areas. So. I know that you had mentioned or suggested starting with one so you're not overwhelmed, but I'm going to be honest. When I looked at the first objective in comparison to the second one, mm-hmm. there was like multiple things under the second one. I'm like, yeah, this, this has to be dealt with right now in, in relation to the first. Absolutely. And that's okay too, right? Yeah. So um, what, was, what was the area or what were the two areas where you really felt God wanting to to grow you in right now? So as far as the first one, the first objective was uh, creator, savior, or father. Definitely yes. father for me, uh, okay. loving father. Okay. So that is the that's the area where I felt like God wanted to to grow me in understanding my identity in Him and, and like actually on a ground level, a practical level, that if I am the child of the God of the universe, then I can blank. Yeah. Um, and so, so the, the blanks then are there's kind of breaks it down into three different things. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, our old habits of thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so I just kind of took one of each. Um, I have plenty, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. that I could have uh, uh, gone into, but one definite. Let ahead. me just stop yeah. you real quick. I, this is so important to see the link between the first objective and the second objective. I was talking to Mary about this this morning. Um, if you look at your uh, sins that you're entangled with, they all, if you would trace them back far enough, they're all rooted in um, <laughs> not trusting your God, God as your loving creator, savior, and father. And so if we can shore up that, that is the foundation that then allows us to really address a lot of these other system or, uh, symptomatic kind of issues in our life that really find their roots in in that there. So. And that's really what I discovered was that all these three other things down over here were really just symptoms of this issue over here of me and not understanding really who God was and who I am before mm. him. And so, um, and I'm like, I think in like uh, therapist-y type terms because I um, do therapy with kids and I always think in terms of core beliefs, like what am I believing at my core about God and about myself and is it positive or negative? Mm-hmm. And so each one of these different areas has a negative core belief that I realized I was believing along with it. So the first one. Um, yeah, so let's take the first objective, right? Yeah, let's just, do it. Let's just make it clear for them. Let's do it. All right, so the first objective for you is you feel like you need to grow in your understanding and experience of God as your loving father, yes. right? And you as his beloved child. Yes. Right? And so the way to do that is we engage in the four main habits of Jesus, which are engagement with God, engagement for him, the God the Father, engagement with truth, engagement with experience, mm-hmm. and engagement with community. Yes. So how are you going to engage those habits to grow in that objective? Okay, so just want me to go through God, truth. Yep, just like do that. Okay, so with God, um, address him and start each prayer with dad, daddy, father, mm-hmm. or Abba mm-hmm. uh, to make it personal. Um, ask him what he wants me to know about him as, as my father and sit silently. Mm-hmm. And then uh, talk to him conversationally, just letting him know what's going on in my life like I would with, with uh, a dad, like mm-hmm. an earthly father. With truth, um, read the first nine chapters of 
Proverbs three times as it's, it's an address from a father to a son on wisdom. Mm. Um, memorize Matthew six twenty five to thirty four about um, the lilies of the field and and uh, do not worry about anything. That's mm. huge. Um, and then memorize just all of Romans eight needs to happen for sure. Mm. Um, experiences. Um, yeah. I want to watch so. Uh, we have like this hot this nest um, across from our house, like with all these birds that circle it, um, and it's really cool. But it's winter, and they're not really doing that anymore. So I know you'd mentioned before about just watching the birds and just acknowledging like how God cares for them. Um, but I thought instead, um, I'll just buy a bird. I didn't tell Haley this yet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Are you serious? I was just <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Actually, I I told her everything beforehand that could potentially like, cause like issues or tension between us, um, so that she, that you were going to be sharing here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that she knew. Um, no, really though, just watching like a documentary, like our planet or planet Earth or something like mm-hmm. that, to understand how God cares for the for his his Earth that he's created and for the animals that he's created. And man, if he's if he's cares for them that much, you are much so more much me. more valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Another one under experiences is engage in daddy-daughter Abba time once a week. So this is um, something I started doing when Aria was born, um, of just speaking truth to her uh, Mm. about God and then speaking truth over her. I see those as two separate things. And so um, I think I told you this before. One time I was just uh, sitting there telling Aria how safe she is in my arms and how much I love her. And I'm um, getting chills again right now. And, and how nothing she can ever do will make me love her more or less. And she can always come back to me and expect that I will welcome her. And I felt as I was telling her these things, I felt mm. God speaking that truth into me as my father saying, my beloved child, this is yeah. the same way I feel about you. Mm. Um, and it was just so powerful. And I just felt like walls, again, like shackles being broken in that moment. Um, even just physically, I could I could feel it, um, and I want to experience that more. Um, and and why not? You know, speak truth over my daughter at the same time. So absolutely, um, that's what's something. Um, listen to uh, my Abba playlist that I created on Spotify, um, and this is still under that category of engaging with experience. Experiences, right? yes. Yep. Which I wanted to mention too. So um, whatever objective you pick, um, uh, Haley and I created a, a playlist for each. Um, whether it's father, father creator, creator, or savior, savior we yeah. created a Spotify playlist for you guys, so we can send that out to you, so you guys can be um, engaging in music that way. Obviously, I'm passionate about music, as you know, and so I want to I want to share that with you guys. I think it's really huge to be listening to these truths throughout the day. Um, write a thank you letter to all the people who have played an integral role in my life of being a representation of God the Father to me, hmm. um, and then have conversations with my earthly father and work toward reconciliation in that relationship. Hmm. So those are experiences in the community. Um, talk with brothers who will speak truth over me about my identity. Uh, Shane Tyus does that all the time. Yeah. Every time I talk with him, hey, you're a child of God. Mm. I'm like, that's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me, man. I need to mm. remind you of that. Uh, be completely transparent and open uh, with, with brothers about all the worst things I think and the worst things I do and just allowing them to see who I truly am and, and to be accepted. Mm. Um, and then meeting with uh, just a small group that I have and letting them know of how my understanding of God as Father has been changing. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, so just so you know, if you're listening, and you hopefully you are because <laughs> you're here, um, <laughs> you may not have as many kind of, uh, ways to engage with those habits. As Brandon, you may have more. Um, a lot of this depends on the season of life you're in, too. 
Um, so keep that in mind. A mother of four or five kids uh, may not be able to engage with as many you know, practices within each habit. So. Many of these are things I was already, already doing and then just kind of putting them in there so it's not too overwhelming. Right. But I would also encourage and suggest look at, look at your life rhythms and habits and patterns currently and see how you can adjust and shift your mindset on that and yes. see God as creator, see God as savior, see God as father through that because mm-hmm. I think that that's really important as well. And that way you're not adding just one more thing. You're just reorienting how you're experiencing what you're already doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I think that's important. All right, second objective objective is now how do you live in alignment with that identity? And so how do you think, feel, and behave in ways that are in, li- in alignment with the kingdom and who, you're, you, who you are? So, um, so it's all about removing those old, sinful, automatic responses of thinking, feeling, and choosing. So what are the ones for you? The th- uh, thinking um, is not viewing temptation the right way, and, and specifically not viewing sexual temptation the right way. So I have a core belief I realized um, is that I believe that God is on the other side of my temptation or on the other side of my sin, um, looking at me, watching, waiting, and seeing how I'm going to respond to it to see if um, he should discipline me or not. Hmm. That's my core belief that I truly have, and I, and I realize that. And that does not sound like a loving father. No, it doesn't, and it's no. not a loving father. Right. Um, and so really what I need to happen is I need my mind oriented, reoriented to understand that my sin is here over here, separated from me, and God is right side by side with me, fighting it. So when that temptation comes, he's put that in my life for a good reason to help grow me, and he wants to fight it with me. He wants me to depend on him further through that. Mm. And so that's, that's um, yeah, that's kind of a thought process that's that I have. That's a huge shift. It is a huge shift. That's a huge discovery. It is indeed. Yep. And, and it's, just and to it's, clarify, Jesus wants to be with you and walk with you through the sin issue. Yeah. Not he's over here, this distant father who's, yep. you're on your own, figure it out. And if you don't do it right, I'm going to discipline you. Yeah, and it, it has shifted, and, and I've already started doing this. It has shifted my mindset from when temptation comes of anxiety of like this, oh, no, I have to please God. I have to make the right choice to a peace and even a joy mm. of being able to smile in the midst of temptation and just realize, God, you are with me. Right. You are fighting alongside of me. It's been, it's been so freeing. Mm. So let's get specific. Like, yeah. All right, so where um, and what in the specific habits are you tempted to respond in that way? Yeah, and I don't have as many habits for these because I really think so much of it starts with the identity of Father. Mm. Um, but with engaging with God, be praying in the morning for grace to rely and depend on him in this mm. area is huge. Truth is just reminding myself of who my father is and who I am in light of that. Um, And reading, again, kind of reading through the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Experience would be saying, and I've been doing this, it's been so helpful, just saying when temptation comes, you are with me. You are with me. That's where I start. And then moving from there, it's, it's huge. Um, and then community, um, reporting to a small group of guys I get together with about how that's going, um, asking for prayer from them in moments of temptation and reporting to them afterwards how it went. Um, and then just talking to my wife at our weekly meetings about how I'm doing in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, when, do you, when will you reevaluate? I know you said like, I'm supposed to go like further than six weeks, um, but these are real deep habits that have been going for a long time, uh, and our brains are are plastic, which is great, but um, mine seems to be incredibly 
um, unmoldable. It's like at mem- times. it's like memory foam, right? Like it wants yeah, to back, it wants to go back, back to the old. It does. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm I'm gonna take a little longer, probably through January, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, in what ways, in particular, are you tempted to respond uh, to temptation? Like when you're be- being tempted by what? That you see, you're tempted to see God over here, and you just kind of fighting this by yourself. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, what temptation are you dealing with when you're in a part of that temptation is to see God is over there? And I'm just in this by myself. What are you in? Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it, to the temptation to lust um, after somebody, or um, uh, even and even comes uh, uh, even goes on to another level of like which I was going to get into in a little bit was just the temptation to not um, the temptation to not trust. I guess because that that Satan loves to tempt us of don't trust your dad. Don't trust your heavenly dad who knows what's best for you. And so I think that's, that's you know, partially what it comes down to as well. But, yeah, whenever, if Satan ever brings something up and, and uh, wants me to lust after somebody or, um, or you know, go down thought processes that, that aren't healthy for me, that's where yeah. that really starts and, and happens. That's where I have the opportunity to say, no, God's with me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very good. I think we should give him another uh, round of applause for being courageous. Eleven thirty-five. Um, let me say this. So, um, as I was starting to work on this myself, right, and um, I really one area I came up with eight things that God I really feel like wants to grow me in, right? So, there's a lot of room for growth in, in old Shane in in my life, and one in particular is living an unhurried life. Um, one of the things that is evident to me is that when we are hurried and rushed, often that's when we sin the most, right? We're telling the kids, like, we had an issue this morning trying to get out the door, and uh, this is real life, right? So we're telling Isaiah to get his shoes on, and he gets one pair of shoes out, has dog poop all over him, right? Get your other shoes. We have to get her out of his other pair of shoes. Mud just caked all over him. We don't got any shoes for him. We're supposed to be, you know, like this is life. Get your coat, mud all over his coat. Like I don't know if he was. What you guys been doing? Playing with pigs over the weekend or what? Right. And so you know, then it turns into now we're rushed and and it's if you're rushed and you're hurried, it's just you act in ways you shouldn't. You say things you shouldn't. And so, um, yes. So to me, that's a big area that God is wanting to grow me in. And living a hurried, rushed life is really a symptom, I've found, of pride in my heart that is trying to accomplish and get more done, um, more than what God would have me do, and trying to be ultra-effective and efficient in everything I do. It's that type A kind of driven mentality and personality. And it is the, the water we swim in in our American culture, right? And so, um, so just to give you some examples of how I plan to even engage God is to really look at Jesus' life. And Jesus was never in a hurry. He had a lot to do, um, but he didn't have too much to do. He, and he was never in a hurry. 
And he, like, I forget the percentage of the conversations that we have in the Gospels that are recorded are of Jesus being interrupted. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy percentage, right? Um, I want to I look at how he lived so relaxed with the Father. And really, and actually, and so I'm, I'm thinking this out loud here, but um, I want to be fully present in every moment with Jesus, and the reason why I'm often not fully present in every moment with Jesus is because I'm living a hurried life. And so my mind is always on what's next, how do I be effective and efficient. And therefore, I don't enjoy the moments, right? Because I'm never fully engaged in it, right? So uh, this is an area of growth for me. Uh, one discipline that I want to practice is driving the speed limit. Everywhere I go, drive the speed limit. Another, another um, uh, practice I want to have is get in the long line at stores. Go, go to the long line. Another practice is I'm the type of person I hate getting to places early. You know why? Because I could g- be getting more done in that time. What if I got to places five minutes early and just sat there, didn't look at my phone, just sat there? Might these habits, as I do this with Jesus, might he work into me a less hurried life, a more fully present to him in the moment with Jesus, that kind of life? What I love about that is it's forcing you to trust in him as well. Absolutely. And like that was one of the things that like uh, I struggle with finances and trusting God with that. And so like one of my tangible objectives was think about the Christmas, the Christmas giving this season, which you guys will be hearing about eventually. But um, think about the number amount, the dollar amount that I would want to give. I feel comfortable giving and then give more. Yeah. Um, and that's like it's going to force me to have to trust in God in that as way. As your loving father yeah. who as provides. As my loving father and provides and for me and absolutely. has never failed me yep. before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Yep. I struggle with the unhurried thing too. And I've had thoughts about that speed limit thing all the time. And now yeah. I feel super convicted. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not five miles I want an objective at a time, right? I'll focus on this one. Yeah, Let exactly. me know how that goes. And then. Now, the danger of saying these things is that somebody might ask how you're doing, right? Like, there's accountability, so you always, but look, hey, if we really want the abundant life, right? Like, do we want abundant life, or do we want to keep living in ways that suck the life right out of your soul? You live a hurried, rushed life, you're going to be a miserable person, and that's why we're all stressed out, and there's this low-grade level of anxiety in all of us, and very few of us are enjoying the moments, do we want abundant life or do we want to follow the ways of the world and just live a life that is just depleting? Get fired up. Translation. I'm ready, I'm ready to preach. Tailgate again. Shane. Let's go. Tailgate Shane and clock him on your speedometer <laughs> and then te- shoot him a text. That's right. I think that's what he's trying to say. It's funny because I just got pulled over on the way to church by a police officer a couple weeks ago for speeding. And you want to justify it too because coming down that hill right here, is it Main Street? Like, it's impossible to go 25 miles per hour. Like, you got to ride your brake the whole time. Will you stand with me and pray? And by the way, these are on the information table. I encourage you to grab one. If we run out of copies, we can make more. Let us know. 
it's always you never know how many to make because you don't want to just throw paper away. And Lord Jesus, we thank you so much uh, that you love us, that you desire to transform us. Thank you that we can come to you and we can receive your grace to change. Lord, I pray that everybody here would grab one of these uh, planning documents and that they would sit with you and they would be with people that love them and love you and they would discern where you're wanting to bring freedom to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.